He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to examine them. Please excuse me. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. They used to call Jesus the friend of sinners, and they weren't being um, complimentary when they did. Uh, I don't know how much you know about Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you know a lot or a little or uh, what you know about Jesus, actually. Uh, I think... um, I think if you go and talk to people or, you know, if you, if you went and asked, you'd find people all have some kind of idea about who Jesus was or what he was like. He's pretty well known. Uh, I think lots of people think of Jesus as some kind of super uh, spiritual, religious uh, kind of guru guy, uh, maybe like a bit of a Gandhi figure. Uh, or maybe uh, some people think of him as, as like a, a religious aesthetic who kind of camps up on a mountain uh, somewhere and um, and hands down wise proverbial sayings. Uh, I don't know what you think of Jesus. One of the things I like about reading uh, Luke's story of Jesus is that you see uh, that he doesn't really look like any of these things. Uh, today we're going to just be thinking about um, uh, thinking about Luke's story of Jesus. Uh, it'd be great if you had your Bible open there. Uh, The book in the Bible that we call Luke, I don't know if you know, it's okay if you don't, that's just a biography. Uh, Luke didn't actually know Jesus, Luke lived at the time, but uh, he didn't meet Jesus in person, but he heard about Jesus and he decided that this was just such a remarkable guy that he should investigate and do a little bit of research, and so he wrote a biography of Jesus' life. And that's the book in your Bible that we now call Luke. Uh, And if you're sitting there and you don't know anything about the Bible, that's okay, why don't you Uh, not be embarrassed, why don't you get the person next to you to help you find the book of Luke in the Bible so you can follow along with the story too. Uh, When you read Luke's story about Jesus, 
uh, you realize uh, that Jesus doesn't do any of the kind of things that you expect. I get the impression that he just liked doing two kinds of things in particular, and he seemed to spend quite a lot of time doing these two kinds of things in particular. One of them is that he liked just wandering around the streets or out in the countryside or hanging out in the markets with uh, a bunch of people talking to them. I think Jesus liked talking to people. Uh, he seems to have enjoyed that. I think if they had had bars back then, you would have found him in the bars talking to people. Uh, you know, he seems to have just done that kind of thing quite a lot. Uh, if you come back tonight, we'll pick up a different story about a time when Jesus was wandering around the streets talking to people. Uh, but the other thing he seemed to like to do was go to parties. Uh, and that's what today's story is about. It's about a time that he goes over to somebody's house uh, for a dinner party. I don't know about you, uh, do you come from a dinner party kind of cultural background? Do you know what I mean? I don't mean, um, I don't mean when you get a bunch of mates around and have a braai. I still want to call it a barbie. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean when you get a bunch of mates around and decide you're going to have a braai. I mean like a proper set-out formal dinner party. I think this is the kind of thing some people do and some people don't. You know, you set the table, you figure out a guest list, you figure out I'm going to invite these people because I think this will make an interesting conversation. And then you figure out ahead of time what you're going to talk about and there's kind of a menu and you sit around. Do you know this kind of dinner party? Um, some of you will, some of you won't. I'm not from a dinner party background. I have to kind of fess up. I'm from a hang out in the backyard and have a braai kind of background. I'm not from a dinner party background. But Jesus' culture is actually a dinner party background. I know that seems strange perhaps to us, but that's the kind of thing that they did like to do. I'm pretty bad at dinner parties, at least that kind of dinner party. It won't surprise you, I don't think. You already know that I don't like talking about sports. Uh, so I find small talk in South Africa challenging. I can do the weather. I hear you're waiting for rain. <laughs> uh, I have a young family. You already know that too. Uh, and that makes life exhausting. Uh, and so that means by the time most people are ready to get going in the evening, I'm ready to go to bed. Uh, and actually, I have to confess, for a long time it eluded me that the point of dinner parties might not be to eat the food. Uh, I really thought that the reason somebody invited you to dinner was so that you could eat the food. Uh, but it turns out that's not the case. Did you know that? Uh, actually, they probably want to meet you. Um, or at least so that in Jesus' kind of world, and perhaps in yours too, dinner parties are about who you can meet uh, and who you can network with. Uh, and maybe if you go to the right kind of dinner parties and meet the right kind of people, then you can... Uh, create for yourself the right kind of professional opportunities uh, and social opportunities. That's really what dinner parties are about in Jesus' day. So, uh, one day Jesus is invited to a dinner party at a Pharisee's house. And Jesus is not very good at dinner parties either, it turns out. And that actually makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. Jesus is invited to a dinner party at a Pharisee's house. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, if you're not from a church kind of background, 
then probably Jesus is famous to you and the Pharisees are not famous to you. Uh, And that's okay, but that's exactly the opposite to what it would have been like in Jesus' day. Jesus was a little bit of a nobody from nowhere. Uh, you probably remember the Christmas story. He was born in Bethlehem, which is, you know, it's hardly, it's hardly the center of the world. It's not Jerusalem, right? Uh, it'd be like, it's, he, he didn't, he wasn't born in Joburg. He wasn't even born in PE. Uh, he's really from nowhere. He doesn't have connections. He doesn't have resources. He inherits his father's business, which is a carpentry business. He works with his hands. He's not really anybody. Uh, He's a nobody from nowhere, and he's just really actually a very unlikely kind of person to be the subject of a biography in the first place. Uh, He gained a little bit of a reputation at this time because people had thought that he was a miracle worker. And so people uh, kind of were, were talking about him around the place. Did you hear about Jesus? Apparently he healed some guy, or apparently he did this, or apparently he did that. And there's rumors floating around about Jesus, but he's not... He's not a a somebody in that kind of culture. The Pharisees, on the other hand, are somebodies in that kind of culture. They're the religious elite of Jesus' time. They're the people who had influence. The religious elite of Jesus' time are also the political elite of Jesus' time. There's not really a distinction to make there. They have influence. They have power. Maybe you know some people like this. Do you know anybody? Maybe you don't. I don't. Do you know anybody that you could pick up the phone to and ask for a million dollars and that might actually be a possibility? Sorry, Rand. (laughs) Dollars will be better though. Do you know anybody like, are you somebody like that? Come talk to me later. They're those kind of people, the the kind of people that if you knew them and you got along well with them and they liked you, then they could do stuff for you. They could give you a platform. They could help you out. They could connect you with the right kind of people. These are the people, actually, you want to suck up to a little bit at the dinner parties because these people are the people that can get your life going in the direction that you hope it's going to go. Are you with me? So, if they invite you to dinner, if the Pharisees invite you to dinner in Jesus' day, you say, wow, thanks so much, I'd be really, I'd be really honored to come. I, I really would. Um, and then you go and you buy some new clothes. You pretend you didn't do that, but you did really. Uh, and you get an expensive bottle of wine that you can't really afford to buy anyway, but you do it. And then you get there uh, early, definitely show up early. Uh, and show that you're keen to be there because the dinner parties are about networking and meeting the right sorts of people. So one day, is the, one day the Pharisees, and not just the Pharisees, but we're told actually Luke tells us the ruler of the Pharisees. So this is kind of the equivalent to the president of South Africa. One day the ruler of the Pharisees hears of this nobody from Nazareth who seems to be getting a little bit of a following of people because he seems to be able to pull off a few magic tricks. Uh, They don't know a lot about him, so they invite him to supper. And Luke tells us it's because they want to watch him very carefully. Uh, They want to find out who this guy is and what he's doing so that people are following him around. 
There are several things that happen at this supper that Jesus is at. But just to give you a little bit of um, a heads up, it doesn't go so well. The bit we read is the bit at the end of the evening. That's the bit we read just before. That's the bit I want to focus with you on. But just so you can get an idea of how things have been going for Jesus in this evening that he went to supper at the ruler of the Pharisee's house, let me kind of fill you in on the events so far. So the first indication that perhaps this evening wasn't going fantastically, fantastically well was that Jesus brought an uninvited guest with him. Not only did he bring an uninvited guest with him, he brought an uninvited sick guest with him. Now, to be fair to Jesus, probably it wasn't his fault. He did seem to attract these kinds of people. (laughs) That does tend to happen if people hear a rumor that you might be able to heal them. Uh, So somewhere along the line, on the way to dinner, he picks up this guy with a disease called dropsy. Have you heard of dropsy? I'd not heard of dropsy. I had to go and look it up. Uh, It's when your body retains so much fluid that you start to swell up like a balloon. It's really unsightly. It's a horrible disease, actually. It's usually fatal in the end. Uh, It's not very common today. Uh, It's certainly not the kind of thing you want a guest at your dinner party to have. So Jesus brings him along. Uh, And okay, That's not great, but to make matters worse, in front of them all, he heals him. And you think, okay, wow, that's really wonderful. Jesus healed this guy. And it is good for him. That's fantastic. Except it was the Sabbath. And one of the Pharisees' primary rules was that you don't do that kind of work on the Sabbath. So he brings a sick guy to supper and heals him, breaking one of the most important rules that the Pharisees have about things that you are allowed to do and aren't allowed to do. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, that's a stupid rule. Um, Why not just heal him anyway? And in that case, I agree with you that that is a stupid rule. He should be allowed to heal him on the Sabbath. But also, why do it in front of them? Why bring the guy to supper? Why not just heal him down the street where he found him? Leave him there and then come to supper. And no matter what you think of it, this seems carefully calculated to cause a scene. Um, And things get off to a rocky start. The Pharisees don't like that. He's healed this guy. The next thing Jesus does is comment on the seating arrangements. The fact that you're laughing tells me you know more about dinner parties than I do. Have you ever been to a wedding, which is kind of a formal dinner party event, and you get seated so far away from the bride and the groom that you can barely even see them anymore? Uh, If you have, that tells you something about your relationship to them. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, If you've ever been seated right next to the door, either to the bathroom or the door to the kitchen where the waiter will come out and every single time they walk past, they'll bump into your chair. That also is trying to give you an indication of something. I don't know if you've realized that. I know from experience. Of course, like every dinner party ever, uh, everybody is scrambling around for the best seat at the table so they can network with the important people, right? The best seat at the dinner party is the seat next to the guy who's hosting it. It's the 
seat next to the ruler of the Pharisees. That's where you want to be. If you're stuck at one of the tables right up the back, then you may as well have not bothered been coming. There's not going to be any networking going on for you, right? You want to be at this seat. So everybody starts jostling and everybody starts fighting for the best seat at the table. Jesus uh, is a fairly unpretentious guy. Uh, He likes hanging around with the nobodies. Uh, And he loves just talking to people. We discussed that already. Uh, And he spends most of his time with just ordinary, everyday people. He's unpretentious, but he's also quite forthright. And he doesn't seem to mind telling everybody what's what. So right after he's broken the Sabbath rule, which is one of the most important rules, and right after he's criticized the seating arrangements, Jesus just comes right out and says what's been bugging him all along about this whole evening. And that's where we actually pick up the story together. So we're in Luke chapter 14. Do you have it open there? Have a look. Jesus already has everybody's attention for all the wrong reasons. The room's quiet. Everybody's looking at him. Uh, And he says to the man, verse 12, who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. So, Super awkward, right? I don't think Jesus is ever getting invited to supper again. Are you really suggesting, Jesus, are you really, like honestly, are you really suggesting that if you were going to throw a dinner party, you would invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind people? Those people are not well-connected people. They're nobody people. In this room that he's sitting in are some of the most powerful people at his, of his day. So you can just feel at this point every eye in the room kind of staring at Jesus and everyone is just kind of wishing they'd stayed home and washed their hair. Somebody, there's a guy, there's one of these guys at every dinner party, by the way. Uh, the guy who just tries to smooth everything over and make it okay. Do you know somebody like that? Yeah. Some guy uh, tries to do that. He's just looking for a way to get on with the evening and let's just have a nice time. And so he kind of interjects, uh, verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, look, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So, yay, we're all blessed. Let's just... Let's just get on with the evening, shall we? (laughs) Jesus, though, doesn't take the hint. Uh, Jesus is the guy at the party who doesn't know when to stop talking. Uh, Seemingly oblivious, he just has to bang the point home. So he tells a story. And this is the story of the story Jesus told that evening. Verse 16. He said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent out his servant to say to those who'd been invited, Come, for everything's now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go and examine them. Please have me excused. 
And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. There's an old, um, there's an old Sunday school song. If you're old enough, maybe you remember it called I Cannot Come. Uh, and it's, they, they sing basically this story that Jesus told. It got revived by an Australian Christian children's singer a little while ago. And I've got this on an album that my kids love this song so much. He's got a puppet friend that sings the song along with him. But the puppet friend keeps getting the words confused. Uh, and in the puppet's version of the song, he marries a cow and buys a wife. <laughs> so if I accidentally say that, you'll know what I mean. But... I can't read this story anymore without thinking, I married a cow and I bought me a wife. <laughs> okay, so Jesus loves telling these stories. Uh, and there's no way that the point of this story escapes the Pharisees who are right there with him at a banquet. When someone like the ruler of the Pharisees invites you to dinner, you come. You don't make excuses and you certainly don't make silly excuses like these ones. I mean, come on. I have to go and see my field. It's a field. What is he afraid is going to happen to it? Will it not still be there in the morning? I don't... I have to see my field is pathetic. Only slightly more pathetic is I have to go and be with my cows. Sorry, I can't come to dinner. I have to. Even if you'd invited me to dinner, I take it you're not the ruler of the Pharisees. Even if I got a dinner invitation from you and I said, I'm sorry, I'd rather be with my cows, <laughs> you would be rightly insulted, I think. I'm sorry, I've just gotten married. I can't come. Just bring your wife. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know what's a good reason not to turn up for dinner? A good excuse. This will be a good excuse. I've got dropsy. <laughs> that would be a good excuse. No, these, these are pathetic excuses. When you're invited to the kind of dinner party Jesus is at, there are really no good excuses. You come. And the guy throwing the banquet in Jesus' story is rightfully insulted. And the Pharisees would have got that. They would have also felt insulted. If anybody had excused themselves for any reason, they would have felt insulted. But it's about to turn around on them. Do you know, do, have you had that experience where you think you're talking about one thing in a conversation and then you get to the end and you realize that all along you're actually talking about something else? Has that ever happened to you? That's what happens here to the Pharisees. It becomes very quickly apparent that Jesus isn't actually talking about this dinner banquet anymore. Verse 21. So... The servant came and reported all these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. There is no Pharisee that would have reacted this way. If people turned him down, there is no Pharisee that would have reacted this way. We've already seen, haven't we, their attitude to the poor and the blind and the lame. We saw it in how they treated the guy with dropsy. They have no interest in those kind of people because those kind of people are disempowered people. They're the normal people. They're the people that get to sit near the toilet door. They don't struggle for prestige. Because of that, they're no use to people like the Pharisees. 
But it gets even worse than that. Verse 22. And the servant said, Sir, look what you've commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, so that my house might be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Go out. Go even outside the cities. Go to the highways. Go to the byways. Go out of the country, in fact. Go and get those people who aren't even Jews. Forget about healing people on the Sabbath. Go and get the people who aren't even circumcised. Go and get them. Bring them and let's have a party. It's really obvious at this point that this isn't the Pharisees' banquet anymore. Whose banquet is Jesus talking about now? Whose banquet is he describing? Actually, the guy with the really lame segue who tried to smooth everything over said it, didn't he? What a blessing it would be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus is not such a great dinner guest, at least not at this kind of party. If you throw a different kind of party, he's a pretty good guest. But Jesus isn't there because he thinks the Pharisees can do something for him. Jesus isn't there because he's interested in whatever the Pharisees think they can do for him. He's not interested at all in that. Why is he there? Why did Jesus come to this party? Well, he told us, didn't he? He told us in his own story. He's there because he's actually throwing his own party and he's handing out invitations. He's not interested in what the Pharisees can do for him. He's interested in what he can do for them. That's the whole reason he's come, not just to the party. That's the whole reason he's come to the world, you realize, as you read Luke's story of Jesus. Jesus is the servant in his own story. God is throwing a party and God sends a servant out to go and get people to come to the party. If you get invited to God's party, who would you need to know other than God? Sure. So Jesus goes and invites them, but they won't even show up. They won't even come. Jesus is illustrating in his story what's happening at this very moment. He's at the Pharisee's house inviting them to God's party and they're not coming because they're too busy worried about silly things like who is sitting where. They're not coming and they're offering really bad excuses. I need to go spend time with my cows. No, actually what's really going on is that they just don't like the company at this party. The important people, they see who Jesus associates with. Remember they called him friend of sinners. They weren't being, they weren't giving him a compliment. They see that he's not interested in their high society and their connections and their power. They see that he hangs around with the wrong kinds of people, with the, with the nobodies, with the sick and the powerless, and, you know, yes, even drunk people sometimes and tax collectors who extort money, and, yes, even the wrong kinds of women sometimes. He hangs around with the sinners, and so they reject him. 
And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm just going to go get everybody else instead. If you don't want to come to the party, are you really saying, Jesus, that if you were going to throw a banquet, these are the people you'd invite, the crippled, the lame, and the blind? Well, yes, he is, because that's exactly what he did. If you started reading Luke's story of Jesus at the beginning and just noticed the people he collected in his circle along the way, you would notice so far in his story, it's been not just the guy with dropsy, it's been a blind man, it's been the lepers, it's been a tax collector, it's been a woman who was caught in adultery, it's been foreigners from outside of Israel, it's been the ones who struggle with demons, it's been the sick, it's been the oppressed, it's been the poor. Those are the people that Jesus has collected as he's come to invite people to God's party. That's exactly who he hung out with all the time. Uh, Earlier on in Luke's story, Jesus had gone to another party at a different person's house. Uh, It was a, a, a party of a tax collector. And tax collectors were basically thugs in those days. They were known for extorting people of money. Uh, Later, Levi, we're told, Luke tells us uh, in chapter 5, you don't need to look it up. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. The Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why does he eat and drink with such scum, they said. And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I haven't come... I haven't come to call those people who think they're righteous. I've come to call those who know they're sinners and who know they need to repent. Friend of sinners, I've come to call to my party those people who are sinners and who know they need to repent. So here's your invitation. Here's your invitation. I guess the question is, what kind of guest will you be? God's still got his party going on. That's why Jesus came to the world. God wants to invite you to it. God wants to befriend you. He's sending out his servants, beginning with Jesus every day into the world to get people to come. I'm one of them. That's what I'm doing here. I'm delivering your invitation to you. Come to the party. Come to God's party. Jesus came to this world to save people like you, to save people like me. Just to be clear, I'm not inviting you back to church. I'm not inviting you to a course or to a self-help group. It's not an invitation to social connections. It's not an invitation to a country club. Uh, It's not an invitation into some kind of secret society of power and wealth, in in case you hadn't figured that out already. Uh, I don't really want anything from you. I'm not even from this country. I'm not from this city. I don't want your money. I'm not interested in that. I don't want your power, if you have any. I'm not interested, actually, in what you can do for me. That's not why I came here. That's not why Jesus came to the world either. This is an invitation to supper with the king of the universe. So stop making lame excuses and come. Come. Come as you are. 
You don't need to go out and buy fancy new clothes. You don't need that bottle of wine. You don't need to show up an hour early. You don't need social connections. Just come. Come as you are. Are you broken? Are you a little bit bent or bruised? Are you sick or lame or deaf or mute? Do you have dropsy? Do you have leprosy? Do you wrestle sometimes with demons? Does your sin hang around your neck, the things that you know you've done wrong and you know they're not okay? Does it hang around your neck like a millstone and just drag you down and weigh so heavily on you? Are you an adulterer? Are you a thief? Are you just a little bit too broken for polite company? Are you poor? Are you a social outcast? Are you the guy always seated at the back near the toilet door? Come. Come. Come as you are. Stop making excuses and come. Just just don't come proud, will you? Because things get super awkward at dinner parties full of proud people when Jesus is in the room. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who know they're sick. I haven't come to call those who think they're righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. So repent. Tell God that you're sorry for the things that you've done wrong, that you know you've done wrong. Acknowledge that it's not okay. Thank him for sending Jesus into the world and thank him that he wants you at his party too, and tell him you want to come. Because they called Jesus friend of sinners. We're going to pray, and then Martin's going to come back and give you an opportunity to respond. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making a way that even though we are sinful, uh, even though we've done wrong, you do want to get to know us. You do want, uh, you do want us in your great banquet that you're hosting. You want to be our friend, and so you sent Jesus, the friend of sinners, to rescue us and to save us and to invite us, even me. Thank you for the way that you do that. Thank you for Jesus. Please help us to trust that He will do that for us, if we ask Him, in Jesus' name. Amen.